Thank you, Melody. Isn't that just beautiful? And the song is perfect for my message today. Open your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 7. Get Isaiah 7 and Galatians 4. Isaiah 7 and Galatians 4. We often hear the word amazing. Amazing, and it's almost like a carnival barker. Come in, see the amazing bearded lady or whatever. Right? The word amazing. It, it's used for so many things. It's, it's used for t- toothpaste and toys, sandwiches and soap, fabric and fruit. The amazing hamburger. So it's a superlative that is really overused. But I think when we look at this Christmas story, I think that really the word that can best describe it as amazing, Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, the Bible says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign, and what a sign, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. The only thing we can say about that is amazing. Amazing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, help us as we study your word today. As we remember your birth and we remember the purpose of it, Lord, help us. And Lord, I just pray that you're glorified by all of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And that, that's a, it's really important that those two phrases are, are considered. The child is born, the son is given because the son preexisted the child. Jesus Christ is eternal. He didn't begin at Bethlehem. He didn't end at Calvary. All right? So, again, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And I want you to notice something. It doesn't say his names shall be called. It says his name shall be called. Because I don't know about you, but when I have my different roles, you know, I am a father and now I'm a grandfather. I am a pastor. I'm a teacher. Uh, I'm a writer. And what happens is the more, or the longer that list of responsibilities gets, the less good I am at any of them. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? You all feel the same way? Because I have different names. For God, it's his name. You see, he can do all of these things and he's undiminished. Do you know what I say about that? That's amazing. It is amazing. And look at these, look, look at his name. We would say names, but for him it's a name. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Wonderful. He's the answer to the dullness of life. Counselor. He's the answer to the decisions of life. The mighty God, he's the answer to the demands of life. The everlasting Father, he's the answer to the dimensions of life. And he's the Prince of Peace, the answer to the disturbances of life. And ultimately, when Jesus Christ returns, he will have the government on his shoulder. And he will be the Prince of Peace. But right now, there's not peace in the world. What peace does God offer now? He offers peace with him. You see, there will be turmoil in the world. There will be conflict in the world until Jesus Christ comes and he rules with a rod of iron and puts down all dissent. That's going to happen, but right now, people have free will. 
God created freedom, man performs acts. And so often man performs things that, that, that are just evil. Just evil. I was talking with Greg Goins this morning. I saw a news story that a lady named Goins, and some, I think she was 84 years old or something, she was um, shopping in the grocery store, on, in, I think it was on December 10th, and someone robbed her purse out of her shopping cart. And a bunch of people chased him down, and I guess he probably won't do that again. <laughs> but you wonder, why would somebody steal an old lady's purse in the grocery store? Because there's not peace in the world yet. But you can have peace in your heart. And Jesus Christ has come to offer that. And what an amazing thing. And as we consider this Christmas story, this account, I want us to think about how amazing it is. He's wonderful. He's counselor. He's everlasting father. He's the prince of peace, the mighty God. Go with me to the book of Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. And verse 4, the amazing components of this story, I think back to Ken Ham's book, Already Gone, and his, his premise is that for many of the children in our churches, that by the time they're in sixth grade, they've stopped believing. They don't believe anymore. because And, and his premise is that um, young people, when you hear the story of Christmas, that it might be like a story like Peter Pan. But it's not. And so I, was, I try to even change my language, the account of Jesus Christ coming at Christmas. Now, stories can be true. So the word story is right, but it's not a story like, like Robin Hood. It's true. It's real. And Jacob would say he doesn't like Robin Hood because he's a capitalist. You have to think about that a little bit. Let's, let's look at some of the amazing things that happened here. So Galatians 4.4. 4. But when the fullness of the time was come. Now notice the words. Don't, don't, don't just think that this is old language. But when the fullness of the time. Do you see the definite article there? The time. There was only one time when Jesus Christ could have come. There, there was a fullness. There was things that had to happen. And there's another fullness that's coming. Jesus Christ. The Bible says that, the, that blindness in part has happened to the Jews until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. There'll come a time when the last of the Gentiles get saved, and that's the end of time. That's when Jesus Christ returns. There's seven more years, and then he returns and rules and reigns for a thousand. This fullness, it means something. So again, Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. That we might receive the adoption of sons. Do you know what that adoption is? The Bible says that, that the whole earth groans, according to Romans chapter 8, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of the body. One day, Jesus Christ is going to return. All of us who are born again, we're going to be taken out of this world. We're going to receive new bodies. We're going to be just like Jesus. That's the adoption that we're waiting for. That's what was promised at the fullness of the time. That's amazing. That is amazing, and every word of it is true. What, what is the fullness of the time? The fullness of the time is 
it's one of the amazing things that happened. Let's, let's consider this Christmas story. And we're not going to read the Luke chapter 2 for time's sake. But it's amazing that God chooses to use small people in small places to accomplish inconceivably great things. It is amazing what God does. Has anyone ever heard of uh, John Wesley? John Wesley was four foot eleven. He's my hero. It is amazing that God uses small people and small things. Now, in this idea of small, I don't think it's talking about physical stature. It's just amazing that God uses any of us. And look at what God used in this account. He used shepherds, carpenters, young girls, Nazareth. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Bethlehem, though thou be small among the cities of Judah. Bethlehem, Ephrata, according to Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, the small tiny place. It is amazing that God chooses to use small people in small places places to accomplish inconceivably great things. Whoever would have imagined that God would change the world, no, save the world, employing such seemingly insignificant tools. Listen to the way that Paul wrote it in 1 Corinthians 1. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? You know, I think about someone like Christopher Hitchens. Christopher Hitchens had an amazing ability with the English language. Just a profound ability. And I know that if I tried to go up against Christopher Hitchens and would try to debate him, that I don't think I could do it. I think that his mind is so much sharper than mine. His mind is so much better. His ability to use the language is so much better. And, and sometimes, I don't know about you, have you ever been in a situation where you wished you had the right words? You wish God gave you the memory, the capacity to accomplish what he does. God gave you exactly what you need to do, to do what he has called you to do. And the Bible says, where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this world? Well, wait a minute, Christopher Hitchens, he's, he's in hell. I don't say that with any joy. I don't say that with any glee. At the end of his life, I saw an interview, he had cancer. And the interviewer said, will you recant on your deathbed? He said, never. He said, if I did believe, I will not bow. Really? Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name. That in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess. Of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. He's going to bow. But sometimes we feel so insignificant when we come up against a great intellect like that. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block. And unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Why? Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You're really going to put Jesus before he's born on an ass and have him ride all the way and be born in a manger, be placed in a manger? Does that seem foolish? Seriously. You see, you're calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound 
the things which are mighty. Amazing. So it really is amazing that God chooses to use small people in small places to accomplish inconceivably great things. Secondly, it is amazing that God would employ a pagan king, have him decree a census, have that decree require all citizens return to their ancestral cities. They would travel on roads built and guarded by soldiers conscripted by this pagan king so that the seemingly smallest of prophecies could come to fruition as the true king was born in the smallest of places, Bethlehem. Think about what the fullness of time means. The fullness of the time. It's been said that if Jesus had been been born 100 years earlier or 100 years later, we would have never heard of him. He came to a, he, he was born at a time when you had the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, where they had conquered the known world and you could travel throughout the known world on these Roman roads that were protected by Roman soldiers. And thieves on those Roman roads would be crucified on the side of the road so you could travel safely. So Jesus Christ is born in a time where you have relative peace, where you have the road so the gospel can be spread. But not only that, but the synagogue system had been established. And so that the apostle Paul could go into each of these cities, and in each of the cities there would be a synagogue, and he could preach the gospel, as it says in Acts chapter 17, as his manner was, he went in on the Sabbath and reasoned with them out of the scriptures in the synagogue. And what did he reason? That Christ must needs have suffered and have died and risen from the dead. You see, you had the, 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 the Pax Romana, you had the Roman road system, you had the synagogue system. But it's an amazing thing. You also had, believe it or not, religious liberty. They allowed the conquered people to have their own religions. And so you had that, but not only that, but because, of you, because you had that synagogue system, because of the influence of Judaism, you had strict monotheism, one God. So instead of the paganism of Rome, you had the, the, the one God of Judaism, and that one God came in the flesh. And so the Apostle Paul could go on Mars Hill, and he could say, this unknown God, him I declare unto you, and he preached Jesus. You see, that fullness of the time, it is amazing what God did. That pagan king that he raised up to get Jesus to Bethlehem, so he could be born and fulfill scripture. It's amazing. It is amazing that the God who so rules the world that he is able to effortlessly mobilize entire kingdoms in order to aid the smallest of people. Listen, he didn't provide room in the inn. Could he have? Yes. Christ could have been born in a palace. He could have called 10,000 angels. He could have demanded respect and love. He could have crippled kings and subdued kingdoms. He could have said no to the suffering. He could have said never to the humiliation. He could have said, I am the creator, and I choose to abandon the creation, but he didn't. He came and took on flesh and bones and was laid in a filthy manger. Amazing. It is amazing. Isn't that more amazing than Frosty the Snowman? (laughs) Happy New Year. It is amazing that all we have to do to have eternal life is to confess our sin to the Savior. To believe that he is God as demonstrated by his resurrection from the dead. Believe that he is the only way to God the Father. That's amazing. You know, there's a lot of religion. There's a lot of stuff that goes on around this time of year. But the most important thing is the one who was born was born to be Savior. He was born to be your Redeemer. He was born to be my Redeemer. And here's the good news. 
If I died today, I know 100% sure that I am going to heaven. I know you might be here, you might be saying, well, that's pretty arrogant. Not because of me, it's because of Jesus. Jesus gave me that gift of eternal life, and the gift that I want to offer you today is the gift of eternal life. Isn't it amazing that I can give that to you? How do I give it to you? By giving you Jesus. I don't have any power to save you. I don't have any power to damn you. But Jesus Christ died on the cross. He was buried and he rose from the dead to prove that he was, is, and always will be God. And if you'll believe that and ask him to save you, he will save you. Everybody look up here. I'm done. He will save you. Amazing. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for coming and we celebrated. We know you didn't come on December 25th. But on this December 26th, you are available to us. Thank you for coming. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the dead. And Lord, I pray that there's someone here that doesn't know you as Savior, that today will be the day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. I hope that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. I hope that Jesus Christ, that he has entered into your heart and given you the gift of eternal life. If you are not sure of your eternal salvation, here's all that you need to do. Just pray. Just go to the Lord. You don't have to come to me. You can go straight to the Father. The Bible says there's one God and one mediator between God and man. I'm sorry, God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. You can pray. We, the, the Bible says that we have an, advoc- an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. So here's all you have to do to have eternal life. This is it. It is so simple. And one of the hard things about believing it is because it's so simple. It's amazing. Just believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin that he lived a completely sinless life, that he died on the cross, that he was buried for three days and three nights, and then he rose from the dead. If you believe that, you go to the Lord Jesus and you say, Lord Jesus, I need you to save me. I believe that you are God. I believe in your resurrection. I believe that, but I need you to save me. I'm not trusting in my baptism. I'm not trusting in my church. I'm only trusting in you. I can't save myself. Please save me. If you'll do that, he'll save you. He will save you. So just bow your heads right now. I'm just going to lead you in that prayer. Now, it's not an abracadabra magic potion thing. But if you believe this, you pray it and you believe it, that's what salvation is. So just, if you've never asked Christ to save you, just pray this prayer. Just say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I know that I deserve to go to hell. I know that I cannot be good enough to go to heaven. I believe that you are God. I believe in your death, your burial, and your resurrection. Lord Jesus, right now, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. Jesus, please save me. Please give me the gift of eternal life. Lord Jesus, be my Lord and my Savior. Now, with every head bowed, is there someone here that you prayed that today? You asked Christ to save you today.
No one's looking but me. I just want to celebrate with you. I won't call you out. I won't do anything. Would you just lift your hand? I asked Christ to save me today. Amen. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for Christmas. Thank you for Grace Baptist Church and the opportunity to be here. Lord, I pray that as people spend time with their families over this weekend, that, that just your peace, your joy is evident in their lives. Lord, help us to represent you well in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so glad you all came to our Christmas service. Don't forget, we do not have an evening service, and you don't have to go rescue the nursery workers. <laughs> Hope you all have a great Christmas. You're dismissed. <laughs>